0: Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers.
1: And welcome to another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander, along with Bunker de France. And in Los Angeles, it's our good friend Todd Roberts. Howdy. Howdy, doody. And our guest for today is Larry Callies. He's the director of the Black Cowboy Museum in Rosenberg, Texas. We're going to get to him in just a moment. But first, you have a public service announcement, Mr. DeFrance?
2: Yes, indeed, elite I uh, just want to let the folks know here in town that the American Indian Arts Exposition is ongoing through February 15th. That means it's wrapping up pretty quick. Uh, authentic Indian crafts, uh, stuff from 80 nations, demonstrations, dancers. It's located out at... 2830 Ranch at 2830 South South Thrasher Avenue. And also later on in the month, uh, same location is the Southwest American Indian Collectors Expo, which is the 25th, 26th, and 27th of this month. And I'll give you some directions out there for local folks. If you just head out on 22nd towards Star Pass, Make a left on La Cholla, go down to 36, make a right, go up to Thresher just a little bit up the road, make another left. You'll see a bunch
1: of signs and things, and you'll be there. And the ranch was saved after you make that last left? It's on the right hand side. Oh, it's on the right. It's on the a right, a left, and the ranch is saved. And,
2: <laughs> and if you want to call them, it's 520 420 4332. And if you want more information, you can go to www www.usindianinfo.com and I was out there Friday uh, it's, it's a new location for this, this has been going on for years it's gotten uh, a new location they need to support because a lot of folks don't know where it is and they discourage easily
1: Alright, on to our guest Larry Callies uh, in Rosenberg, Texas welcome to Amo Franzie's Voices of the West thank you sir for joining us
3: Well, thank you I having it
1: we're uh, we're 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 really into speechless. this program yeah <laughs> kind of I mean uh, I'm, I'm li- really looking forward to this program uh, A yeah, Black Cowboy Museum uh, was founded to preserve the legacy of America's Black Cowboy and Mr. Callies, you are a cowboy so tell us about give us some background on you sir well the background I grew up in
3: <clears throat> oh, Calais Texas uh, I, um, I was born in 1952. Uh, I picked cotton. I worked cows. Uh, but the first thing I'm going to tell the, the audience is that I'm, I used to be a country western singer. George Strait's manager was my manager. Wow. Clip Black, Black's band was my band. Wow. Mm-hmm. I lost my voice in 1990. I have something called, smoke. it's a nerve that attacked my vocal course oh. and I have problems talking sometimes. Yeah. I talked all day today. I had people from everywhere today come to my museum, mm. and I've been talking all day. And Saturdays uh, and <laughs> is on my heav- heaviest days. Yeah. Uh, but I don't want to let everybody know that I'm a Christian first, and I'm a cowboy sucker. All right. I know when God takes one big, he closes one big door, he opens up another big door. And he's opened this museum wide open for me. I played for George Bush Sr. Uh, in 1990 for the Economic Summit here in Houston. I played for, I'm open for Travis Tripp, open for Selena, Emilio, uh, Johnny Rodriguez and some other people, and uh, but when I lost my voice, I just didn't know what else to do. And God asked me to open up a Black Cowboy Museum, so I was faithful. I stepped out in faith, and this is what I got. How
1: cool! I mean, sorry about losing your voice, but how cool that you were that you. Move to get a museum open. I mean, that that is just way cool.
2: And you know, when he was still singing, he sang for President Bush. Yeah, yeah he mentioned he that. Mentioned that yeah. that. yeah, it's like awesome. Wow. Well, hey, Larry, tell us. Uh, I want to. Your dad and I guess your uncle, uh, Big Preacher Williams, uh, they were they, they were some pretty uh, pretty championship quality cowboys. Tell us a little bit about these guys.
3: Well, <coughs> nineteen. In um, the '40s, that I didn't know about, my uncle started a Black Rural Association. It was called the Southwest uh, Colored Cowboy Association, and uh, um, he started it with uh, all his relatives. My dad had three other brothers, and they all worked on this ranch in El Campo, Texas. And they were, they were all black cowboys that worked on that ranch. And I, I learned to be a cowboy from that. But before I was a cowboy, I used to pick cotton. My dad also farmed cotton. My grandpa was the one that farmed cotton back in the fifties. So I picked cotton, I worked cows, and I, um, I grew up like that.
2: Huh. Well, you know, you, uh, You've said in the past that how Hollywood glamorized the cowboy uh, without mentioning the black cowboys. And you know, my my mother's people, they all came from Texas. And I know at one point there, between the black cowboys and the Hispanic cowboys, uh, the vaqueros, they made up the majority of the cowboys in Texas.
3: Yeah, they did. But people thought the vaqueros made up. Uh, the majority of the Cowboys. But there wasn't many vaqueros here in 1836. Hmm. Santa Hampton came up here, and he lost, and this became Texas. This used to be Mexico. Right. So they ran all the vaqueros out of Texas <laughs> because they were sympathetic. To the slaves in 1836, mm-hmm. they ran all the cattle out of here and wouldn't let them come back until slavery was over. So <laughs> most of the cowboys in down here in Houston, Texas, Wharton, uh, El Campo, Missouri, uh, Harris County, all this was slave uh, ranches. Mm-hmm. In Texas, then, that were whites or Hispanics? Yeah. Wow. And the ones that worked the cattle, built the houses. You know, people think how people got houses built back in the eighteen twenties and thirties. They had some kind of truck to come out here and with, with lumber on the back. <laughs> they didn't do that. They had slaves that built their houses for us. Oh, you know, yeah. And, uh, they didn't have they didn't have people come out and houses.
2: You know, that's it. That's an interesting thing. I got me to thinking while you were talking. You know, if you, you go back to the Alamo, which is the cornerstone of Texas history for all Texans, you'll have a moment of silence after saying that. But uh, Jim Bowie, he had his his servant, which was a black man, and he he wasn't you there. His name was Sam. Yes, and he's one of the one of the few, only him the lady and the little baby only survivors, I guess. But that's a good example of what you were saying. Of you know the black experience coming to Texas, it wasn't like hey, let's get on the bus and go over to Galveston. It was it was a whole different you know you're going whether you want to or not story. That's right.
3: Yeah. And when Texas was uh, Mexico here, they had nothing but slaves here, and that's why Santa I came over here. To stop what they were doing because he didn't agree with slavery, mm-hmm. and that's why he fought the hell of them. was for slavery?
2: Change up pace here for just a second. I like to do that. That throws everybody off. <laughs> but uh, you know, you've mentioned you know that you, you are a singer, and uh, then you worked for the post office department until you retired. And I'm guessing that you worked for the post office so you could so you could pay for the rodeo. And then, That's it. and then you become a saddle maker, and now you're an entrepreneur museum,
3: uh, uh, I mean, museum you know or whatever you. you call them. <laughs> you know, I was a saddle maker. I, I repaired saddles for ten years, and I uh, worked at the George Ranch. And I I got to learn about cowboys and more about the the history of the cowboys. When I was 10 years old, I learned how to be a cowboy from my dad. And I worked for a guy by the name of Sloan Wick, who in Hungerford, Texas. He was a big stock producer. That's how I knew about cowboys. Me and my dad worked for Sloan, and we'd have rodeos on Thursday, Friday, and Saturdays all over Texas. Just about every in Texas. I've been in to work for Sloan Williams and I, he had some of the best bucking bulls and bucking horses huh. you've ever seen. And I got to know all the white cowboys on Thursday, Friday and Saturdays. And then I, on Sundays my dad would take the the stock to the black rodeos, and I got to know every black cowboy in the state of Texas. Huh. And that's how I got all this stuff
2: here at this museum is from these cowboys. Well, you know, you follow up on that in a way. Here, uh, I get from what I've what I've read here, going back here a couple of decades ago. You were working at a guest ranch, and you were where you were working, and you come across the, an antique photo from the 1880s and the eight eight black cowboys. And I think I've seen that picture in, from your museum there. But uh and that's but that was the inspiration that got you started.
3: Is that right? That's it. That's it. Yeah. I got it from the George Ranch. Yeah. It used to be called the Jones Ranch in the eighteen twenties. But all the Jones boys passed away and the girls lived and they married a George. And that's why they called it the George Ranch now.
2: Well, you know, it's it's funny, you know, I I because I spent so many years working in the picture business and working with so many people that rode and so many people that said they could and so many that just quite couldn't. But, you know, I, you, I've got to the point where in life where I can look look at a picture and just about tell if the guy can ride or not, you know, just the way he that's fits right. in the saddle. And I was looking at the, this picture of those guys that's in your on your site, and I said, man, those guys are waddies. I mean, every one of them, if you put them in a movie, they'd, they'd be giving Ben Johnson a hard time Oh yeah there's some males some cowboys down here yeah oh let me ask you this too here uh, I understand there in, in, in uh, Rosenberg that uh, you've got a couple of blocks in the town that are like a preserved frontier uh, frontier town. Have they ever thought of using that for movie work?
1: But which one uh, that a... the, the, uh, the the sections in Rosenberg that are set up like a, an old west town.
3: Yeah, they had John Wayne here years ago. Uh, they had him at this uh, right down the street from me. It's about a hundred yards from my museum. John Wayne was at this uh, movie theater, and also uh, right around the corner, L.B. Johnson flew a um, helicopter and landed on top of this um, gas station. <laughs> And it's uh, it's right around the corner, fella. Cool.
2: Oh, we got cool. a lot of history now. Yeah, sure. Oh well, tell hey, tell me about your cousin Tex Williams. He sounds he sounds like an interesting fellow himself.
3: Hey, right, Tex was the first black to get in an all white book in 1967. He didn't just get hit it; he wanted. <laughs> Tex wanted. To, the Bull Rock, bareback, Steer Wrestling, cap Roping, and he also Dog Steers. And um, Dex made the state finals. He was the first black to make the state finals. Hmm. And he also won it in 67 and 68. Guess who the sucker was? Okay, moving on. To so uh, the buy- state finals. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah. Wow. That was me in
3: 1971. That I was is... The second black to make the state finals in the state of Texas. I didn't win it like Texas, so but I wore his chaps.
1: Nice. So, were there? Did blacks participate in their own rodeo? Uh, or or yeah. Or Tex was riding
3: in the black rodeo.
1: Okay. When
3: he was fourteen. Okay. In 1964, Tex won the, the Southwest National Colored Association. In 1964, okay, he wanted in sixty five. He wanted in sixty six, and then he got the nerve to get an all white rodeo in sixty seven, and they let him ride, and uh, he won it in
2: sixty seven. Hey, uh, you. There's mention here about Ron Traver, a photographer who's pictures of urban cowboys. And I think I've seen them because I've seen a couple of things on the Compton Cowboys and the Philadelphia Boys. In fact, there's been a couple of really neat uh, documentaries on the Compton Cowboys. But uh, what can you tell us about uh, Ron Tarver and uh, the Compton and Philadelphia Boys?
3: Well, I read a book on them. I don't really know the Compton Cowboys, but uh, I just read a book on the Compton Cowboys. I can't tell a whole lot about the Compton Cowboys because I'm from Texas, and people think a cowboy is a trail runner. A cowboy was a slave. He was a person that worked the cows. And the Compton Cowboys never worked cows. They never um, worked cows. So they weren't really cowboys. They were trail runners. And
1: details that was, matter. That was a big difference. Yeah. Yes, and details matter. Larry, we got to take a quick commercial break here. Our guest is Larry Callies. He is the director of the Black Cowboy Museum in uh, Rosenberg, Texas. This is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander, along with Bunker de France and Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. We'll be back with much more of our program right after these very, very important messages. Do stay tuned. Arizona, the land of cattle,
2: copper, and cowboys.
0: The Tucson Trap and Ski Club is one of the best-kept economic secrets in town. This 900-member group maintains one of the finest shotgun shooting ranges in the country, featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and sporting clays fields, and hosts national and international events that bring thousands of people and millions of dollars into our community. The Spring Satellite Grand American Tournament alone involves 1,200 participants for 10 days. Learn more about this and their other contributions to our community at tucsontrapandskeet.com.
2: As we recognize the service of America's men, and women in uniform. Let's also honor the families who sacrifice so much every day. Military families endure frequent deployments and separations. They carry on while their loved ones are sent into harm's way and wait patiently for their safe return. If you really want to honor a veteran, look for ways to support their families and thank them for their sacrifices go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help
1: are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars look no further than wilkinson wealth management this is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations not what the stock market says this is a firm that wants you as a client not just as a customer this is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it it's a new name but the same great service you've come to expect i miss wilkinson is now wilkinson wealth management 7411 east tank of in tucson 520-777-1911 take dodge city over there
0: gomorrah of the plains they call it jump off spot
1: people coming and going all the time good bad and worse temper's high a man will draw his gun quicker to prove a point than he'll draw on his logic this
0: is the voices of the west
1: on Able Frenzy's Voices of the West it's a Saturday and so a Saturday night rag is in order of course Bill Boyd and his Cowboy Ramblers and a there you go <laughs> But uh, you know And welcome back to the yeah. Gamora of uh, the West. Well, you know, he mentioned <laughs> the good the, voices bad, and of the, worst. the West. Is that
2: is that another Sergio
1: Leone western? It could it certainly could yeah, be. Uh, Let me get him back. Let me get everybody back here together. Are we all back together? There's there's, Todd. Todd. there's Todd. There's Todd. There's Larry. Okay. Oh, okay. I, think, I think we're, there. I think
2: we're okay. there. Okay. You know, we were just yeah, we, kind of so, talking about the Compton Cowboys. And one of the things out there while I was still a, working in the business is every once in a while we'd get one of the Compton boys over there uh, doing some horse work. You know, they need some uh, black cowboys that could ride. And a lot of those guys had their SEG cards, so that was kind of neat. And on the topic of black cowboys and movies... I had the pleasure of meeting and visiting with Herb Jeffries several times. Wow. Because, you know, he he was a member of the Western Music Association, and mm-hmm. we used to have the conventions here in Tucson every year, and he would always always faithfully come over. Wow. And, God, he was so loved by everybody. And You know, there's, he, there's a guy who's, like, in his 80s, and he's still singing and performing. Wow. Oh, like, uh, just,
1: just a pleasure to be around the man. His movies the the movies of the if the Bronze watch, Buckaroo yeah if you watch the movies of the era and uh, uh, watch them uh, with the time in, you mm-hmm. know time, take into uh, in all history, that in consideration yeah. they're really good I think they are um, well you know it's so sort of
4: Harry good. we uh, Larry I'm sorry we always like to ask our guests um, especially if they're a working cowboy like you were uh, um, what films do you find that are authentic and that you really enjoy westerns yeah.
3: I love Herb Jeffries. Yeah, we're talking about Herb Jeffries. I never saw him on TV, but I have some tapes and uh, some some uh, films of that Herb Jeffries. I liked everything he
1: did. Yeah, there was cowboy. They, they were good movies. Yeah. I mean you know no but
3: question. My favorite cowboy in the world was Roy Rogers. Uh huh. Roy Rogers was the best cowboy. He was the king of the Cowboys. Black or white, he was the king of the Cowboys. I have him on my wall in here. uh, I just love Roy Rogers because he was a good Christian man. If you ever notice, he never killed anybody. That's right. He always shot the gun out of their hand. That's right. (laughs) That's what I liked about Roy Rogers. I didn't like watching a movie. And they shoot somebody and kill him, Herb Jeffries, I've never seen him kill anybody. He always talked his way out. Yep. You know, he was, a, right. he was a cool guy. And he wasn't black and he wasn't white. They don't know what Herb Jeffries was. Yeah. He was just a cowboy. He was a, a, a true cowboy. And he could ride. But he wasn't as good as Roy Rogers.
1: Let me ask you, Larry, is it really important that we have to differentiate between the skin color of us? I mean, you know, you're a cowboy. I'm not. I don't even pretend to be. I'd love to be, but I don't pretend to be. But I know what I am, and you know what you are. Do we have to go through this route of the the skin, you know? Well, you know, I think... You know... Dad- go ahead, brother. Go ahead. I don't go, want ahead, go ahead, go ahead,
3: go ahead, go ahead.
1: No, no answer, a- answer the question there, if you would, Larry, please.
3: Well, we don't have to, but everybody, that's what we see. Mm-hmm. They didn't put us on TV for a reason mm-hmm. because of my skin color. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because we were good cowboys or we were bad cowboys. They wouldn't put us on it because of the color of our skin. That's wrong. They just didn't wrong. start putting black cowboys on TV until the seventies. There was a couple. They would put her Jafariz on TV, not down here. Hmm. The Lone Ranger, the Lone Ranger was really black. And yes. People didn't even yes. know it. That's right. His yes. name was Basraiz. Yep. But you have to, you have to bring him up because he was a black cowboy that never
4: got on TV. Well, the true story...
3: He portrayed
4: a white man as the Lone Ranger, and he was really black. Well, you know, Larry, the true story of the story that inspired the searchers was based on a black gentleman whose wife and daughter were stolen by the Comanches, and he relentlessly pursued them and got them back. Uh, So that story, when it was made, had to be made into a white person, and I'll I'll lay the blame at Hollywood's feet, which is where it belongs, but it also uh, belongs in, uh, in the South, which is where Warner Brothers had, you know, when the Monopoly of Films studios had the Monopoly on everything, they had the South, and uh, that's why uh, so often they changed stories or didn't include uh, black actors and actresses and so on, and it's a shame because a lot of that stuff, could have been uh, told in a more truthful way, and it wasn't.
2: Well, yeah. That's right. Here's the thing, too, which it's just, it's sad, but the black cowboy in the early days of rodeo, when they started including them, because they were excluded from a lot. You know, you go back to Pendleton and like that. One of the greatest rodeos of all time, the Thaddlebronn competition was between to win it was between a black cowboy, an Indian cowboy, and a white cowboy. The Indian cowboy ended up winning it, but the black cowboy was definitely second. Mm-hmm. But the problem was with the rodeo back then is the black cowboy, he didn't have to be as good as the white cowboy. He had to be better because not not because of the cowboys, because of the judging.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: That's yeah. Just all And wrong. it was
3: his skin color that they were, they were judging. They weren't judging his talent. They were judging because he was a black man. He gets lower scores because they didn't want to see a black man outdo a white
2: man. You know, it's
3: funny. just the way it was.
2: But b- back in the 50s, when bull riding first really started getting popular, mm-hmm. the guys that were winning all the bull riding in the smaller rodeos uh were black cowboys, most of them from Louisiana. Uh, they dominated bull riding in the 50s, but when you got to the bigger rodeos, uh, they weren't they weren't even placing, and they were outriding the other
3: cowboys. That's because they were giving them lower scores. Right. Of course, I you know, grew up with one named Mertis-Nightman. You ever heard of Mertis-Nightman?
1: No, I can't no. say I have. Oh,
3: man. He would have been the world champion bull rider. He rode with Larry Mahan and all the top riders. And he asked them one time. He said, "Hey man, how can I get to be world champion?" And they said, "Turn white." <laughs> Boy. <laughs> oh, hey, Larry. Let's go back. Let's low. go back a few just,
1: years. That, here. Hang on, Bunkers. Oh, that, that's just a, That's just a smack, man. Uh, that's just wrong. Just plain wrong. Uh, they, they told uh, they told the guy if he wanted to win, he had to be white. I mean, that's just all oh, that's that, 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 that's that's ignorance. In,
3: that was in the eighties. I know it's
1: wrong. It's just wrong. You know, there's there's but no there's like no color barrier on
2: ignorance. And
1: mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I know a lot. that's just the way it
4: was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, Larry, how how is it that you? Or what is your philosophy or where do you find your inspiration? Because you grew up, obviously, in Texas, which, and you've experienced racism and, and, and discrimination in your own right. And I know your, your father and your uncle did and so on. And how is it that you, what made you say to yourself, I'm not going to pay attention to that. I'm going to move forward and find my own path of success in life, not just in rodeo, but in life as, as well.
3: It's a person that I, I was a Christian, and I knew God was always with me, and that's what kept me going. That's why I got my inspiration mm-hmm. from God, and I, just, I didn't care what everybody was saying. I was kicked, I was pushed, I was tripped in school. Whites would tripping and say, "You're not a you're not a cowboy, and you're black." And the blacks would trip me and say, what are you trying to be, a white man? I said, I just want to be a cowboy. I don't um. care what color I was. I- I've seen country music and then th- in the 60s. I went to see Charlie Pride in 1968, yep. and they wouldn't even let me in. Um. They wouldn't even let me in, and I I had to go back home. Actually, I sit out in my car and I listened to him for an hour because back then they didn't have air conditions at this one place. Yeah, And I, they had the windows up and I sit out in my car and I listen to him. Mm. But it was just the way it was. I, I didn't have no real feelings against anybody. I just wanted to hear country music.
1: For the uninitiated, Charlie Pride was one of the, I think, better country entertainers He's got a, great voice. a great 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 voice, voice. i happened to, i uh, i was able to see him in a, at a in concert in north carolina along with uh cool. freddie weller or, uh and, uh a bunch of bunches of bunches of folks hey we got to do our next commercial break here larry so hang, okay. hang right. on the line and uh it's, it's quite quite a the interview, I think. It's, Interesting, it's, yes. it's going very well, I, I see, think. Amo Franzi's Voices of the West with Harry Alexander Bunker to France and Todd Roberts. Our guest is Larry Cowleys. He is the founder and director of the Black Cowboy Museum in Rosenberg, Texas. And uh, we're going to do our next commercial break here and uh, come back and you should. visit more with Larry right after this. <laughs> Donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in Southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website horse rescue.org Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horse rescue.org You've got some cattle you want, Russell, but don't have enough henchmen of your own to do the job. A little lady up the road apiece won't strike a deal with you about water rights. You out there!
3: Come one step nearer and old Bess here will spit right in your eye.
1: So you need to strike your own deal, but you need the right henchmen to do the job. The stage is hauling a Wells Fargo box loaded with gold. You've got the perfect spot to liberate that gold, but lack henchmen to pull off the job. What to do? You better start packing a handgun. Call a Hench. We're a bad guy rental agency. We provide you with enough scruffy henchmen to tackle any job with specific directions. Just listen to what Red Hench users have to say. Well, you know, when I joined Renna Hench, I was
2: trained by Bud Osborne, Charlie King, and some of the best head henches there ever was. And I'm going to guarantee you that you
1: cannot hench without the proper henches round you, and that's just a gentle hitch. When you need sheer numbers of henchmen, call us. We specialize in stage holdups, water right disputes, squatter troubles, cattle rustling, and much more. Our a henchmen may not be able to think their way out of a paper bag, but they sure can follow directions, and they won't sing to the law about you if they get caught. See our ad in the Saturday evening poster, Harper's Weekly.
2: Hey, not only that, when you're in the Long Branch and you want to go next door to Doc's to get that bullet out of your shoulder, Get a Renehance to sit there
1: on your place and keep your whiskey warm while you're gone. Renehance, when you need bad guys to do bad guy stuff so you can keep your hands clean. You let me do the work.
3: You out there! Come one step nearer and old Bess here will spit right in your eye. Hi, Kate. Take it easy, it's me. That'll teach you to talk back to a lady. And the next time you come pestering around here, remember, Aunt Oakley and me went to the same finishing school.
0: This is the Voices of the West.
1: Gotta watch out for old Kate there. (laughs) Yeah, and Betsy. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) Welcome back to another edition of Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. Larry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts. Our guest is uh, Larry Callies, the director of the uh, Black Cowboy Museum. And boy, I'll tell you what—we're just we're having some fun here. Yeah, this is good. I guess that's okay. right? That's what we're supposed to do. Okay.
2: Supposed, I hope, I, Larry, have you got a cup of coffee there, I sure hope you
3: do because I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a good time listening yeah. to y'all's radio. I hear Mister
1: A on there. I hear John Wayne.
3: Yep.
2: <laughs> yep. Uh, Todd, he's probably got a glass of Canadian mist. There, no right? doubt. <laughs> you no, know, I'm
3: trying
4: to be good here today. You know, listen, I've been bad enough all week.
2: <laughs> well, you know,
4: purity. Um, but I had a question for you. Another question for you, Larry. And I, I don't okay. want to, you know, I don't want to start an argument here. Yes, you do. Uh, whether okay. it's whether it's whether it's with our listeners or all of us here together, but. You being a Texan, I have to ask you this question without any reserve, which is uh, what is your favorite chili recipe? Or let me preface that question, Larry. <laughs> Does your chili have beans or not?
3: My chili, personally, this is me, uh, is without beans. I like chili when I eat so it's chili. A,
4: it's a true bowl of Texas red.
1: Texas red. He's yeah, got beans on the side.
4: It. Beans on the that's side. That's it.
1: And okay. is it corn? Is it is it
4: is it cornbread or tortillas? Cornbread. Cornbread. Cornbread, yeah. man. Cornbread. I'm cornbread. You tell him, Larry. You tell cornbread. him. Cornbread. Cornbread. Always. Oh, slap him down. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Tortilla. That must be a California thing. Oh, that's that's that's, that's New Mexico, but that's, <laughs> that's a different a kind of chili. That's
3: a San Antonio thing. Yeah. That's a San Antonio thing. Okay, well, Larry... The yeah. cornbread is Houston. Yeah, The surrounding towns of Houston.
1: They're all woke up in San Antonio, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> we don't uh, yeah, care about You that. know, it, it, there's cowboy chili, <laughs> and then there's uh, Hispanic chili, and then there's gringo, whatever you want yeah, to call yeah, it chili. Pr- pretty Yeah, pretty much.
3: Yeah.
1: Larry, let's talk about the... Uh, after the American Civil War, the uh, migration to the West, and obviously with, with slavery over blacks were still running into and as it happens today all kinds of issues but there was a a mass migration and that's when uh, the American West started to see a lot of black cowboys coming around and working ranches so let's talk about that well in Texas in Houston area all around
3: Houston uh All the cowboys were black. They didn't hire white cowboys. You know why? In the 1860s, they drove cattle to Kansas. And most of them were black. And the reason why is because they wouldn't hire white cowboys. Because white cowboys could steal the cows. And and they could shoot the the owner's son. They could shoot him in the back and he could, you know, impersonate him. And they had so much cash and so much money when they, they take 2,000 head of cattle. And down here, the cows are worth $4 a head. -hmm. Up there, they were worth $40 a head. Now think about the money. They didn't have checks. In 1865, they... They gave him cash. And a black man couldn't go pose and say, hey, these are my cows. Mm-hmm. There was no way he could do that. Mm-hmm. So that's why they hired black cowboys, and they wouldn't hire white cowboys. Mm-hmm. See, and people thought it was white cowboys that drove the cows up to Kansas. Yeah. It wasn't. <laughs> the ratio was nine. If you saw ten cowboys, nine or eight were white and one was Hispanic and one was black. Wow. That's not true. Somebody who wrote that didn't want to tell the truth. The truth is they hired only black cowboys because the white cowboys could come in there and steal their cows. <laughs> Well, where they you? Could come in. Okay. Even in the 1950s, I was riding with my dad to the cattle sales and we were selling cattle for the white man, for our boss man. My dad had to have a, 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 a note or a letter from the, the owner of the ranch before he could drop the cattle off. Wow. You know, they thought, they think, the black man would go and try to sell cattle. He couldn't sell them because, but if a white man worked on a ranch and there was, the owner left, he could take a truck and take that truck and take it to Louisiana and sell those cattle without the white man even knowing who he was. Huh. But a black man couldn't take the cattle even in the 60s couldn't back truck up to the chute and load up fifty cattle in the back of a trailer, wow. or forty cattle, and take them to a sale. He couldn't do it, and in the 1860s, they really couldn't do it. They were—they had black cowboys to do all that work. Huh. And that's why they didn't have white cowboys because a white man could go and steal the cattle.
2: Interesting well you know don't see people, those,
3: people don't know you know what what the life was back in the day
1: in Texas and there aren't any books or or uh or many historical accounts uh, uh let's put it this way accurate historical accounts of that's the right they didn't want to tell
3: the truth uh-huh. they tried to say the Mexicans the cattles were the cowboys uh-huh and they didn't the tell
2: that the blacks were the cowboys well it's like you know all the all the books on the Indians are written by- r- white professors
1: right yeah and, that's
2: right yeah you know, it's just they're not the guys to write it. I wanted to ask you because I know uh your dad worked for the Sloan Ranch, and that's why, as I understand that's where you got your start and working for Sloan Williams, and uh, he had some great bulls uh he was a contractor, wasn't he? On rodeos? Yeah, he was
3: a contractor. He was the only person that was bigger than him was a guy up in uh, Colorado. I think his name was Harry Knight, and he, Sloan Williams was a, one of the biggest stock producers in this in this country. Hmm. And I worked for him for twenty years. That's how I got to know all the white cowboys. <laughs> I got to know all the black cowboys. Because we had separate rodeos. In the 50s, we had white rodeos on Thursday, Friday, and Saturdays. And on Sundays, we had the black rodeos.
2: Kind of a cowboy and college. And
3: I saw, and I could tell, and I could tell which rider was the best. The black cowboy or the white cowboy. I knew some white cowboys that can outride just about any black cowboy. And I knew some black cowboys that can outride White cowboy. So I
2: knew both sides. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Well, I wanted to ask you, too, about another thing. Uh, You have a picture from the 1850s of your great great uncle working cattle. Uh, I'd love to see that picture, but what could you tell us about that picture?
3: (laughs) That picture was my great 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 uncle. That's where we came from. we were the Mitchells on my mother's side. See, and I have this picture, and uh, I have a picture of my great great cousins in 1850. I have an 1850 picture of a black cow is working on a ranch. It's a real picture. I got that from my cousin. He sent it to me six months ago, and he's a white guy. Wow. He saw me on the internet, and he saw where I had traced my history all the way back to 1438, hmm. and he, he saw it uh, an Ancestry, and uh, he called me up. He said, hey, I'm your cousin. I didn't know he was white, <laughs> and we talked. He played guitar. He uh, sang country music. And he was in a George Strait video. When he said he was in a George Strait video, huh? I said, wait a minute, there ain't no blacks in George Strait video. <laughs> I said, could I ask you a personal question? He said, sure. I said, are you white? He said, yes, I am, cousin. <laughs> and we've been friends ever since cousin, ever since. He's been to my museum. He brought his son to meet me and he, he wanted to meet my kids and he just he just wanted the nicest people I ever met Wow! and he sent me those pictures because he used to live on the plantation that's cool. and so, he had he had pictures of my great great grandpa or uncle so talk about Nat Love how was he going to bring that's cool great we're <laughs> on the same page Matt Love was one of the best cowboys in this, in this country. Uh, he was born... He wasn't born in Texas. He was born in Tennessee. He walked from Tennessee. He was born in 1854. He walked all the way from Tennessee to Kansas wow. to be a black cowboy. He had heard about all the black cowboys coming from Texas. To Kansas. And he went up there and he, he um got in with the Texas Cowboys and they thought he was some tenderfoot. He had been riding horses in Tim breaking horses in Tennessee. You know how he broke horses? He just ran and jumped on them. Without a rattle, without a bit, or anything. He would jump on them and just ride them until they were. Broke.
1: Sounds like a Ken he Maynard. Charged
3: people, <laughs> he, ta- he charged people 10 cents. And if the horse was really wild, he charged 25 cents.
2: <laughs> well, how did well, he come to he be turned, called Red River Dick and Deadwood Dick?
3: He was such a good shooter. And he he could shoot a gun. He could shoot a rifle. He could shoot a pistol. He could outshoot anybody. And that's when he went up to um, Deadwood.
1: And they call him Dip. Yeah. Well, as long as, talking, hands, as long as
3: we're talking, long we talking about saw his hands, him. he had some huge
1: hands. Yeah, looking at the picture of the uh, that you have of him on the website, and, my God, his hands are incredibly huge. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. we got to we got yeah. to do our final commercial break here, so hang on the line, Larry. We'll be back with okay. you and uh, Todd Roberts and Bucker de France and Harry Alexander. Because this is Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. We will be back with much more after these important messages. Our final break. Do stay tuned, please. We'll be back. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I Miss Wilkinson is now Wilkinson Wealth Management. 7411 East Tancaverde in Tucson, 520
0: 777 America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high,
3: much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their
0: country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honor
3: veterans to find out how you can help.
0: Besides bringing millions a year into this community with national and international events, the Tucson Trap and Skeet Club at 7800 West Olaho Highway services the local shooting sports community with a 380-acre site featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and two sporting clays fields, as well as a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, which all is available to local shooters, and soon, an archery range. Check it out at tucsontrapandskeet.com or take a drive out west of town and see it for yourself. New members or single-day use, Welcome. Watch Old West silent movies anytime at voicesofthewest.net. <laughs>
2: Silver buckle set and a Palomina pony to ride. A Stetson
4: sombrero with five is in the van. A pair of shipless spurs and a great big patch of land. A pair of Justin Boots.
1: I'm not worried about copyright infringement because this is in the public domain. <laughs> hey, let's play the whole darn <laughs> it's thing then. Denver Darling and uh, Billy Williams. Uh, just gotta be a cowboy. We'll do that one for. Uh, our guest, Larry Callies, who yeah. is, in fact, a cowboy. He is the li- living, breathing. <laughs> Indeed he do. Welcome okay. back to Emil Franzi's the Voices of the West, Harry Alexander Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles. Larry Callies, our guest. We're in the uh, final waning moments of the program. Final moment.
2: Well, you know, as long as we're getting way back to some of the historical black cowboys, uh, I'd like to get some of your feedback on Bill and Ben Pickett and the Pickett brothers—they had their own little rodeo production company. But Bill Pickett, God, wow, what a cowboy! And Ben.
3: Yeah, he stood five foot six, weighed hundred and forty something pounds.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, little feller. And he invented—he invented, he invented he, bull bulldogging, you know, or
3: bulldogging. Yeah. Hmm, yep. How he invented bulldogging—he lost his rope, and he was so mad at just one steer that he couldn't catch. He just rolled up, jumped on his back, grabbed him by the horns, and slipped him to the ground. And you remember his old dogs would bite him in the nose. He bit him in the nose. And some people say the lip, but he bit him in the in the mouth or in the lip or the nose. And he would hold him down because that would that would hold that steer down like that. And he became famous. He went all the way to England doing that stunt. That is so cool. He used oh. to ride with a
2: Wild Bill Hickok. Hey, Larry, before well, we well, run well, out of time, uh, why don't you give a plug for your Black Cowboy Museum yeah, and anything shit, shit. that you got coming up? Shameless promotion all right. time.
3: <laughs> all right, I got a book coming out. All right. Oh, cool. It's called Cowboy Larry Stepping Out in Faith. It's about my life, how I grew up as a black cowboy, <laughs> working cows. I didn't know I was working cows like the slaves used to do it, because that's where my dad learned it from his dad, yep. and his dad learned it from his dad, yep. and that's how I was working. I, I was doing stuff just like the slaves. I was working in the woods in the bottom, and I was getting off my horse and going through the woods, and I could have got killed. <laughs> and uh, I, when I started reading about the slaves and how they worked, together I was doing the same thing. Hmm. So back in the fifties, and uh, um, you know, that's just the way I grew up. And I have a book that I'm writing. It's about my cousin. Uh, uh, he was white, and he was from a slave owner. And um, this is where I came from: two slave owners. One on my father's side and one on my mother's side, and they were both cowboys the uh, the mitchells are recorded to have been on the longest trail uh drive in history
0: hmm.
3: his name was anthony, uh anthony uh Mitchell and he drove cattle from uh, here in Texas to Kansas and father almost uh uh them. That's, that's where I come from. I come from all parts of Cowboys. And, and they taught their son, and they taught their son, and they taught their son,
1: and it ended up on me. All right, the museum is located in Rosenberg, Texas, which is just mm-hmm. outside of Houston. The uh, yep. uh, hours, and uh, what what's it cost to get in?
3: It costs $7 for seed. There's seven for kids and $10 for uh, regular people. And my address is 1104 3rd Street in Richmond and Rosenberg, Texas.
1: How big is the museum, Larry?
3: I, it's small. I have two rooms. It's 1,600 square feet. Okay. And uh, But I just got a grand... From the, the county. They gave me a million dollar grant nice. to build a, a bigger place.
1: Are you going to build it uh, on the same site or move to another location in Rosenberg? I'm
3: going to move to Kendallton, Texas. Okay. It used to be a plantation. Uh, the, the owner was Mr. Kendall. He sold all this property to his slaves for $25 an acre. And uh, they called it Kendleton Kenedleton, Texas.
1: That is cool. That is cool.
2: You know, before we Sorry. go, I want to recommend there's a, there's a movie a documentary that uh, was made a couple years ago, um, and it's a black about a black cowboy up in Montana. John Ware reclaimed is the name of it, and it's because of COVID, it's kind of gotten lost, and hopefully. I have this- Hopefully some folks will reclaim it and get it back out there. And if you've seen it, uh, tell us about what you saw because I I want to see this thing. I saw some pictures and whatnot, and it just and it looked good. And the guy uh, Fred Whitfield who uh, portrays John Warriner, he's a he's a champion rodeo cowboy.
3: Oh, I didn't. I never saw him. I know Fred Whitfield. I, oh, good. Uh, I've talked to him and uh, he. He told me about my cousin named Calvin Greeley. Right. He was one of the best uh, uh, cab ropers in the uh, 60s and 70s, but he could never win the workbook because they were cheap. <laughs> and his name was Calvin Greeley. He used to live with us. He's in my book. Oh, good. And Fred Whitfield signed the book. He has a gold buckle, don't lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah! I have a
2: signed autograph book from Fred Newfield. Well, Larry, if folks want to look you up, uh, how do they look you up on the Internet?
3: They can go on to Facebook and look up Larry Countless, and it will
2: tell you everything about me. I'll tell you, I've, I was on there, and I saw hundreds of pictures, it seemed like. And i got to say one thing about you, sir. You're smiling, and everyone, there you you've go. Got a beautiful smile. <laughs>
1: Thanks. Larry. All right. We're out of thank time. You. We're out of time. Larry, don't hang up uh, until uh, we're going to come back after uh, we close out the show. So thank you very okay. much for joining us yes. uh, for this Saturday. Thank you it, for was, having- it was great. It thank was great.
3: Thank you for having me. I enjoyed myself. All right.
1: And next time we get together on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, we will be talking about women in the Westerns in the 1930s uh, with the lovely and talented Chris N. Yes, and, uh, Larry, it has been a personal pleasure
2: to visit with you.
1: Right. That's all the time we got for today. Thank you so much for joining us. 78, 79, and 80-o. Till
0: next week.